This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. It's Obehave with Arden Moore. This show that teaches you how to have harmony in the household with your pets. Join Arden as she travels coast to coast to help millions better understand why cats and dogs do what they do. Get the latest scoop on famous faces. They're perfectly pampered pets in Who's Walking Who in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails. Garner great pet tips and have a doggone fur-flying fun time. So get ready for the pause and applause as we unleash your all-behave host, America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Welcome to the O-Behave Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. Now, there's an animal shelter in Minnesota with almost a 97% placement rate for all the animals who come to their center. Now, that's quite a high percentage. But as you will learn on today's show, the people at this shelter are also trailblazers in the quest to bring out the best in pets under their care and improve their chances at landing forever homes. Now here to discuss taking a novel approach to shelter design at the Animal Humane Society in St. Paul, Minnesota, we have Dr. Graham Brayshaw. Say hi, Dr. Graham. Hello. Hello. That's a very nice hello. And uh, behaviorist Liv Hagen. Hey, Liv. How you doing? Hey, yeah. I'm doing great. Thanks for having us. All right. Now, folks, raise your paw if that great pet on your lap or next to you right now as you're listening to the show came from a shelter. Now, as I say this, I'm raising both hands because pet safety dog Kona and pet safety cat Casey are a pair of shelter alums whom I adore. You can get great pets from shelters. So I want you all to call your pet over and get ready to discover what the shelter in Minnesota is doing to break the mold, not the mold like green mold, but, you know, like a structure mold, and boost adoption rates. But first, we have to pay for the show, so we got to take a commercial break. You know the drill. Sit and stay. We'll be right back. Time for a pause. For furry ones, actually, sit and stay. All Behave will be right back. Molly, here's your dinner. (coughs) Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your cat tree tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. All Behave is back with more tail-wagging ways to achieve harmony in the household with your pets. Now back to your fetching host, America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Welcome back to the Obehave Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. Our special guest today, hail from the Animal Humane Society located in St. Paul, Minnesota. So, 
First up, we're going to give pause and applause to Dr. Graham Grayshaw. He is the chief of veterinarian at this shelter and director of animal services. Can I just say welcome, Dr. Graham? Oh, thank you for having me, Arden. I really appreciate the uh, time to be on your show. All right. And joining him is Liv Hagen. Now, I got to say, I love your background, Liv. You are currently the behavior modification and rehabilitation manager whew, at the Animal Humane Society. But life for you has literally been a zoo. You've been a trainer at zoos in Memphis and Chicago, right? Yes, yes, it definitely has. So that was kind of my past life was working in the zoo field. So I started off as a marine mammal trainer in Chicago. I work with dolphins, seals, and sea lions. And then I spent a couple of years down in Memphis where I continued to work with sea lions and also worked with a variety of large carnivores. So bears, wolves, and some birds and a variety of animals. Any of them named uh, Elvis? I didn't work with any named Elvis, no. Oh, okay. I didn't know if Elvis left the pool. Okay. All right. So we're here today because a fellow member of Cat Writers named Mary Tan reached out to me and said, you got to check out what's going on at the Animal Humane Society in Minnesota. And I'm like, what? So I'm going to let you start, Dr. Graham. You know, people have a vision of what an animal shelter looks like, particularly where you house the dogs. But you guys decided to, uh, to be a little more creative. Yep, we're really trying to take a, you put it great, a new look at how we house dogs in shelter. Yeah. Uh, if you look at most shelters, and honestly, you look at the majority of, of our shelters, our dog space, it was all designed of how do you fit the most dogs into the smallest space possible to be able to house as many as you can and then try and find homes for them. And while it is incredibly efficient when it comes to space, it's really not good when it comes to dogs and dogs trying to show their natural behaviors and dogs really trying to be themselves. So yeah. the uh, the twist we're taking on it, what we're looking at it is how can you house dogs where they can basically be themselves or as close to themselves as they can while they're in shelter. Dogs when they're in shelter are they almost always will degrade over time. They're kept in, usually it's a relatively small run. They get out some, but most of their time is spent closed up. They want to interact with other dogs, but there's barriers between them, often to try and prevent disease transmission or just uh, to make sure that there's no fighting. And it really takes a toll on them. And we're trying to get to where the shelter stay is as, is as close to a home stay. Homes are still the best place for these guys, but we want their time with us to be as, as good as possible. Well, that sounds good. You've touched a little bit about some of the you know health decline that can happen. And if I could live, what about the behavior aspect? Because these are social beings that, you know, like to hang out, but as Dr. Graham so well put, you don't want to have a dog fight, but on the other hand, it, there's a balance, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so that social piece is something that dogs really miss out on in the shelter environment. And so we do a really good job of, you know, providing food, water, shelter. Our veterinary team is really awesome. They do a super job on the medical side of things. But that ability to express normal behavior and reduce a lot of those stressful or anxiety behaviors that we see happen when dogs can hear and smell things going on, but not see or interact with their environment. That's one of our freedoms that this new initiative touches on are those freedoms to express normal behavior and freedom from fear and distress. And we've done that, accomplished that through this group housing prototype where dogs can actually interact then in a social environment. Yeah. And I feel like I'm, uh, you guys are both on stage at the Academy Awards. So I do want to make sure that you acknowledge uh, you have a CEO named Jarrell Dixon and a project manager for this, Ann Johnson. Did I do good for you both? 
Janelle is uh, <laughs> Janelle's the one who right. really set this vision where we're going to and okay. keeps us going. Uh, make sure we're on track. If we get skewed a little way one way or the other, she uh, puts us back on track very nicely. And uh, Ann Johnson is the one that makes the uh, really just makes it all work. You know, make sure that literally the right lights are on, that everything is kept clean, everything. She's not uh, scrubbing, cleaning much herself, but uh, you know. <laughs> ma- Making sure that everything really is uh, moving in the uh, right direction. Heck, even on lights, we we do have three or four different banks of lights in there that wow. we are testing out to find out the right kind of lighting for these dogs uh, to see what really is the uh, the best thing for their stay. Well, I do want folks to go to the animalhumanesociety.org and you guys can check out some stuff. And you do have a, a publication I'm looking at. That just in your recent issue, I guess you you did profile what's going on. Is there a Facebook page too? We can uh, usher our listeners. Oh, definitely. There is a uh, just look up Animal Humane Society in Facebook, and we will be right there. All right, and you, you know about Animal Humane Society. I was like, wow, 140 years plus? That's one of the oldest shelters, isn't it, in the country? Don't know what the oldest shelter is out there, but uh, yeah, no, we've, we've been going since the uh, late 1800s. Uh, it, it started with uh, mostly horses and actually uh, worked with kids. It's just slightly evolved over the years to uh, get to where it's uh, mostly dogs and cats, but uh, quite a few different companion animals coming through as well. Well, I'm just trying to compute that in dog years, and I just I, my calculator can't go up that high. But you've been at the place a while, right, Dr. Ram? Uh, I started in in 2012, so uh, yeah, not not too long. Uh, Janelle's been doing animal welfare for oh, 20, 30 years in it. There's there are definitely people that put me to shame when it comes to long term, but I've been here a good while. What makes you say, hey, I want to do shelter medicine versus a, a family practice? I had my years in practice. I really enjoyed private practice, uh, but it is very much one-on-one. And the real limit of what you can do in private practice is the resources of that owner, how much uh, they have available to uh, provide care for their animals. In shelter, you are, uh, you're beholden to your organization and yourself, but uh, really you are your own boss when it comes to how much you're trying to do with each animal. Uh, the great thing is if I find some way to cut a corner and make sure the animal gets good care but save a few bucks, those few bucks goes right towards the care of the next animal. So that sounds uh, good. it is incredibly rewarding. And Liv, you talked about the fact that, you know, in most shelters, dogs waiting for their forever home are able to hear and smell two very, very powerful senses, but they're not able to touch or see each other. What's going on here at the Animal Humane Society that's uh, that's pulling back the curtain, if you will, in a safe way? Yeah, so what we have developed, and we're calling it a prototype because it is still in its testing phase. We're learning a whole lot from it to make sure that both people and animals are getting the most benefit out of it. And so what we have is a space where there's a common area, and then we have six different runs that so we can accommodate up to six dogs in this housing prototype. And so at night for feeding and overnight when there isn't an attendant in the common area, the dogs spend the night then in their individual runs. But during the day, the dogs are out in the common area interacting with each other, playing, resting, being enriched all together. And so they can really, they take social cues from each other. They can express those social behaviors when they're out in that common area. They're interacting with people. We have customers go in and interact with the dogs as well. And so they, it's a much more enriching experience, a much more enriching environment. And they can express those social behaviors then because they're out all hanging out with each other throughout the day. 
So if I have a dog at home, this is a good way, a litmus test, if you will, to see how this potential adoptee will do in my home because I'm getting to see firsthand how this dog gets along with two, three, and four-leggers. Yes, absolutely. It's a great way for potential adopters to see their potential new family member in a situation with other dogs, in a social situation. Now, it's also really important that we're acknowledging that this environment isn't right for all dogs. And there's dogs that are going to be successful in social environments with other dogs that aren't currently being housed in the habitat. And that's okay. Sometimes the environment is just not quite right for some dogs. And so we really want adopters to know that just because a dog isn't in the participating in the group housing doesn't mean they're not going to be a good fit for their household or they're not going to be a good fit for a social situation with other dogs. But on the flip side of that, it is a really great way to see potential new family members interacting with other dogs. And Dr. Graham, how long has this prototype been being tested and what are some of the things you do to reduce any risk of uh, any uh, disease spreading and or uh, you know having a, a dog bite another dog? Uh, no, we uh, got rolling in early March, and just past few weeks, we fully opened it up, meaning that we have adopters in there doing visitations in the habitat. Uh, so we've progressed over the past few months to really have it fully functional. Disease transmission-wise, disease transmission in any sort of high-density environment, in a hospital, in a shelter, even dog kennel, we know from previous research done, it's actually not the visitors, and often not even just the animals themselves that actually transmit disease between each other. It's usually uh, usually the staff or usually things, water bowls, things like that. I love the term. It's called fomite. It's just one of my uh, favorite fomite. terms to use. That's a new fomite. word. All right. It, I, isn't I that a great probably, word? It's a, yeah, I probably fail spelling bee, so can you please <laughs> spell that for us? Uh, F-O-M-I-T-E. Nice and simple to spell. It's uh, <laughs> But uh, it is it is whatever can carry some contagion. So uh, a water bowl can be a fomite that carries a contagion from one dog to another. But what we found is that really having these dogs together does not significantly increase the risk of disease transmission. And this is our preliminary approach. We will definitely build good metrics into it, study it down the road to ensure that what we're seeing right now is it is true, is validated. But there's also the stress side of things, meaning if you're, I you know for people too, if you're under a lot of stress, if you are in a very stressful environment, there's a lot of stress in your life, you're more likely to get ill and you're not going to fight off diseases as well. Right. If we have them living in a place where they are happier, they are less stressed, they are more calm, they're at peace, they are going to be in a much better place medically to fight off any sort of disease that may come around. Oh, that's great. And I, you had me at fomite. You really <laughs> did. <laughs> what about, we know that the center is a pretty large shelter. You've got more than one location. It's uh, over 140 years old. I understand uh, you guys, when I said at the start of the show, you have about a 97% adoption rate, which is pretty good. That isn't folks for just like 10 pets. I think something like over, what, 23,000 dogs, cats, and other critters have gone through your shelter just last year alone? Yep. Uh, Numbers-wise, we bring in about 24-ish thousand uh, dogs, cats, and critters a year. We actually find adoptive homes. The adoption rate itself is actually not at 96, 97. That's our our placement rate, meaning that we'll be able to adopt about 20,000 of those 
Okay, uh, that's still good. Cats. Still, still pretty good. Still definitely proud of it. And then there's also a group of animals that we know we aren't able to adopt for one reason or another. This is dealing with uh, the habitats trying to get at the stress of being in a shelter. There's some dogs that just don't do well with that stress. So we partner with a lot of local rescues. Uh, Not just a lot. Dogs. I heard almost 100. Yep, we got about 100 local rescue groups, and it's a it's a testament to the Twin Cities. There's a ton of people around that want to do everything they can to try and help as many animals as they can. So they, they work with us, set up their own organizations, and there's a lot of uh, home-based, foster-based rescues that'll give animals dealing with, and they don't deal with the stress of a shelter well, a place to stay until they can find a home. So well, uh, everyone yeah, working together. I'm, get I'm here deep in the heart of Dallas where it's 102 nice. degrees right now. Can you guys just make my day? Tell me what the weather is in Minnesota, in St. Oh, Paul. Overcast, mid-80s. Yeah, it's kind of rainy earlier. Nice. nice. Not, so, as, not as hot and humid as it has been. We got okay. a little break. Well, I'm just saying, I think there, you know, the phrase three dog night, I know, must have had to originate in a cold tundra like uh, Minnesota, don't you think, Liv? It does get really cold. Yes, it does. Starting September, our temperatures will start to drop. I'm a fan of winter. I love it. I spent, like I said, a couple years in Memphis, and I really, really missed the winter and the cold and and the snow and everything that comes along with it. And so when it starts to cool off, that's really when, when I get excited. I love cold weather. Oh, that's great. Don't come to Dallas. Okay. <laughs> Hey, folks, uh, we're listening to on the show. Our guests today are Dr. Graham Brayshaw and Liv Hagen. They're both from the Animal Humane Society based in St. Paul, Minnesota. We're going to find out a little bit about the 411 on their pets after we take this quick commercial break. So sit and stay. We'll be right back. Time for a walk on the red carpet, of course. All Behave will be back in a flash right after these messages. Pet Life Radio, the number one pet radio network on the planet, joins forces with iHeartRadio to put the power of your pets in your pocket. Awesome. Download the iHeartRadio app and rock Pet Life Radio on your phone, on your tablet, on your Xbox, in your car. Pet talk, pet tunes, and fun pet times. Pet Life Radio and iHeartRadio. Positively possum. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Hey, everybody. I'm Rachel Ray, and you're listening to OB Hate with Arden Moore on Pet Life Radio. We're back from the lot. Just checked the paper, and we had a record showing at the box. The letterbox, that is. Now back to OB Hate. Here's Arden. Welcome back to the OB Hate Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. Let's uh, put Liv up first. Liv, um, your bio that I was given by your folks at uh, the Animal Humane Society, it says that uh, I'm going to mess this up, but let's go with the dogs first. I love these names. You first have Joey. Easy. That's a cattle dog. Yes. Yep. And a chocolate lab named Ready Listeners, Abby Waffles. All (laughs) right. Give us the 411 on these two fine canines. Sure. So Joey, um, I've had Joey since he was a year old. He actually is originally from Arkansas. He was brought to Minnesota through another rescue group called Midwest Animal Rescue Services. And when he came up here at a year old, that was the first time he had been in a home. So he didn't understand cabinets and stairs and doors and and things like that. And so he actually started out as a foster with my family. And then um, I don't like the term foster fail. I think it's a foster success. I think it's, it's a foster 
success when we decide to make our fosters permanent members of our family. And so that is how uh, Joey came to be. And Abby Waffles, I've actually only had for a few weeks. She was an owner surrender to Animal Humane Society. And she actually came in with another chocolate lab who was able to go right to our adoption floor. Abby, though, experienced that shelter stress. She shut down. She got kennel cough. She had pneumonia. She wasn't eating. And so she was actually in one of our offices. So we have a program called Office Cats, where our cats that are shut down, not doing well in shelter, can spend some time in an office, which is a more home-like space, to see if that helps the transition, helps bring them out of their shell a little bit. And so we decided to do that with Abby. And so Abby spent some time in our transfer office and she started to get a little bit better, but she still had a, a long way to go for her health recovery. And when I met her, I just absolutely fell in love with her. I have a really special place in my heart for geriatric animals, senior animals, and we fell in love. We bonded right away and, and I brought her home and she just sort of plugged right in and fit right in with Joey and all my cats. And it was sort of the, the perfect match and the perfect addition to my family. Well, congratulations. And thank Abby, you. You're a lucky dog. I have a 16 yes. year old retired surfing dog. I used to live in California. So Cleo, 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 I have to shout. Cleo, she met another senior goldie oldie named Abby. Cleo's here right now saying, Oh, that's awesome. wonderful. We don't, we don't have any surfing waves up here, <laughs> but we do have a lot of lakes. And so Abby will actually come paddle boarding with me. Oh, sweet. Um, sweet. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Well, we got to go to the feline side because I love cats and dogs. And folks, she hit something on the head. They're not foster failures. They're foster successes. And I don't call them shelter rescues. I call them shelter alums because we should promote the shelters that are giving us the chance to have the best possum pal in our in our lives. So with that, you are the proud mom. I'm going to, it's Lucy, Beaker, Bopper, Binks, and Topanga. Yes. Oh, yep, those, are, right. <laughs> those are my five cats. Um, yeah, they didn't all uh, come into my life at once. It was definitely something over time. But Lucian Banks actually came from Animal Humane Society uh, 16 years ago. They're 16 years wow. old now. Nice. Got kittens. Yep. And then Topanga and Beaker and Bopper were all cats that found me off the street. So they showed up at my home as young, either young cats or as kittens. They were abandoned or lost or, you know, needed needed a place to stay. And so so those three really found me. And that's how that's how I ended up with five. <laughs> so from one pet lover to another, what is the best thing or more than one I that they do for you? What's something that these uh, fabulous five felines and the dynamic doggy duo are making you a better person? How do they do that for you, Liv? Oh my gosh. Like, where do I start, right? I don't know if I can pick just one thing. It, the best part of my day is going home to all my pets and all my animals and that unconditional love and happiness you get when you walk in the door and you have seven smiling faces that are all so happy that you came home and ready to play and ready to walk and ready to snuggle. It's just, it's wonderfully fun and hysterical and they all love each other. It's entertaining. It's, it's really, um, it really makes my home complete and, and is like I said, just the absolute best thing that I come home to at the end of the day. Well, I agree. And, and Dr. Graham, I love your bio. You do have mm -hmm. Max, a yes. black standard poodle. Let's go to the dog side first. Tell us a little bit about Max. 
Ah, Max is, yeah, he's 12 years old, uh, sweet old boy. Uh, they, they talk about how smart poodles are, and uh, I love him just the same, but he's not always the uh, uh, the brightest bulb out there. That's uh, all right. Eh, but he's, yeah, he's he's a great boy. I got him from Walla Walla, Washington about 11 years ago from someone who just couldn't care for him anymore. And then, uh, yeah, he's been... Uh, great with uh you know, i have a uh, slew of kitties and he loves his cats and loves his kittens he's not the healthiest guy right now anymore he unfortunately has cancer but uh he just finished up radiation therapy he's starting chemo on thursday so uh, uh hopefully that'll keep him happy and uh, healthy as long as we can well we do wish him a speedy recovery and uh, i think he should have been named wally from walla walla <laughs> come on <laughs> I, I, I will say I did not pick the name. He came with the name when we okay. uh, brought right. him into our family. And uh, yeah, Max is actually the most common, last time they did a survey, most common dog and cat name out oh, there. So it All is right. the highest level of uncreativity I could have in my life is having a dog named Max. Well, I had a cat named Callie. Can you guess what? <laughs> a calico. I wasn't very bright. Oh, oh calicos are the best though, that. aren't they? I know. They're like a box of chocolate, sweet on the outside and yep. a little nuts on the inside. Yep, well, and you never know what you're going to get. <laughs> you never know what what mood your calico is going to be and it yeah, keeps I us on you, our feet. I hate you. I love you. Yep. I hate you. Yeah, That's yeah. my Topanga. She's a calico and she, she keeps oh. things spicy. There you go. And uh, Dr. Graham, how come your bio just says many, comma, many cats? It is, uh, Liv has plenty with with five cats, but uh, I am up to seven, which uh, Liv has said, she said, is the goal number. My goal is to... uh, I think seven is the holy number for cats. Uh, I love animals, devoted my life to caring for as many as as I can. My wife blows me away when it comes to uh, how much she cares and loves. And uh, we have a loving tug of war of uh, how many animals are actually going to end up in our lives on any given day. So uh, that is where we ended up with seven. And uh, let's give a shout out to your wife. What's her first name? Bryn. Uh, Bryn. Bryn yep. She is right. a uh, Minnesotan through and through. And I'm actually a Texan. You're saying Dallas. Uh, I'm yeah, an, where are you from? I, I'm an A&M grad, born in Houston. Nice. nice. Transplanted up here and uh, love being from Texas. But uh, Minnesota's great. think I'm here to stay. I say real men love cats. So uh, the seven cats, uh, Do can you say their names? Because, you know, Liv did with five. Come on. <laughs> uh, it's... It's funny you mentioned that. There might have been a time in the recent past where uh, I, was, I was a little tired that day and couldn't quite remember all seven. Uh, and uh, it, in preparation for today, uh, Liv okay. might have pulled me aside and said, hey, hey, Graham, you might want to write down the names of all yes. seven of cats so you don't yeah. forget. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so uh, did you print them on your forearm? Let's go for it. Uh, no, no, no. They're actually written down in front of me. Okay. So I, All right. Yeah. Here yeah. we go. Uh, all right. So I have... Uh, Delilah, who is, uh, she's 12, 13, uh, not yeah. sure exactly where in that transition yet, uh, tortoise shell cat. She, she definitely rules the roost. She's the matriarch. Uh, we have Stewie, who's 11 and 17 pounds, uh, very large boy. Got him from Spokane uh, as a little six-week-old yelling kitten with nasty <laughs> upper respiratory infection, but he, he grew from there. All right. Uh, we have Jezebel, who is a uh, uh, orange tabby, got from a barn at seven, eight weeks old. She's about eight or nine now. Uh, we have Ripley, who is a uh, Duluth Calico that is mostly blind, can't walk very well, and incredibly mean, uh, but we love her still the same. Uh, we have Salome, who's a very large black kitty that is an AHS, uh, Animal Humane Society alum. Uh, and then same with Khan, uh, who's a gray tabby, and Lilith, who is a another tortoiseshell. Wow, these aren't your basic names. This is, imp- no, no. I give you a pause up for that. That's pretty good. 
And I can't wait for Liv to have to call all her cats and go, bigger, 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 bigger. You got too many bees. <laughs> yeah, I do get confused sometimes. And Binks, one of the 16-year-olds, will uh, chase around Beaker, the two-year-old. And um, they get into it sometimes. And sometimes I'm going, Beaker, no, Binks, cats, get along. Come on, you know, guys. He- because I just you might, can't. You might have a song out of that. You know, you might want to call Beyonce and, you know, and, or a rapper. You might have a cat rap. You don't know. Yeah, there might be something there. I think you're right. I think you're right. <laughs> so getting back to the Animal Humane Society. So you're trying this prototype to, to get all the senses and get to have some social interaction with dogs and cats. What's been the response in the community as well as some of your other shelters all over the country? Um, we'll start with you, Dr. Graham. Community-wise, it's been amazing. Every time it's since it's been open, you walk by. It's specifically in our shelter in Golden Valley, uh, one of our okay. four sites. And there's always a small crowd right out in front watching the dogs play, watching the dogs interact. When we first opened it, it was actually staff hanging out and watching how everyone did. But the moment it's been open, it's been a, uh, a huge interest from the community. And then for the uh, broader uh, shelter uh, animal world, we've had uh, at least two or three humane societies visit. Uh, and want to see, and we've only been open a few months. And as well, it it's really been fascinating to see how it shows us the biases we never knew we had of uh, when it came to uh, disease transmission or how quickly after surgery can an animal be in the habitat or uh, things you always thought were preconceived notions of how a shelter should be. We've heard it internally, we've heard it from the community, and we've definitely heard it from outside groups and some of the foremost experts in uh, shelter medicine. That's impressive. And coming from the zoo world, Liv, I mean, you're going with Flipper and all these other animals. What's your take now seeing this firsthand? It's been just incredible. It's really been amazing to see the support that the dogs really provide each other. And so we talked a little bit about the dogs experiencing shelter stress or shut down. And, you know, sometimes we see dogs in our downstairs holding areas that are even too afraid to come out of their run. They won't walk on leash. And we do have a really incredible group of volunteers, our adoption preparation or ad prep volunteers that are specially trained to work with shy and fearful dogs. And we now have another resource for these dogs during their shelter stay to be able to sort of escape the anxieties of the holding of that solo housing and come up into this group housing situation. What we've seen from these shy and fearful dogs is they just transform once they're in this social situation. They come out of their shell. If they don't know how to play, they watch and they learn from other dogs. They take those social cues and other dogs really teach them how to be dogs. And we see dogs that tailor and adjust their play style to meet the needs of other dogs. And so we've seen just these really beautiful moments of dogs helping other dogs. And it's just been really fantastic. You said that so well. And I do think that other dogs can be great mentors for the others that just need a little more help in the social department, don't you think? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's very much, as I mentioned, dogs teaching other dogs. And so if a dog's not really sure what to do, they may be a little scared. Just seeing other dogs comfortable in that environment is a lot of times enough to get that dog to come out of their shell and and join in the fun. And sometimes dogs don't always join in the play. Sometimes they like to watch or they like to sit next to the people and get rubs. But dogs watching play is also very enriching and very mentally stimulating for dogs as well. And so there's sort of something for everybody in that environment. There's toys, there's people, there's other dogs. And so Dogs can can find what works for them, what will bring them out of their shell and alleviate that stress and really get to capitalize on it. 
Well, this is well put. Hey, everybody, we've been speaking with Dr. Graham Brayshaw and also Liv Hagen. They're from the Animal Humane Society based in Minnesota. And I just want to make sure that your head gal is Janelle Dixon. I want to pronounce her name right. So we salute her too. And the whole staff, volunteers and the community for being willing to kind of, you know, break the mold and go with this new habitat. You guys might be onto something. What do you think, Dr. Graham? I hope so. Uh, the uh, the reason we use prototype for the term for it is we are testing. We got to find out what's the uh, the right way to do it. And uh, if you look out for what research is out there, there's not much when it comes to what is the right way to house dogs and get them into homes. So uh, we've got months and years ahead of us of really testing and finding out what is the right way to do this so we can hopefully house dogs the best way we can in the future. All right. I want everybody after the show to please dash over to animalhumanesociety.org and check out what's happening. Follow them on Facebook. Any parting message, Liv? What would you like to say to our, we have like, did you know we have like 600,000 listeners and they're not all related to me? Yeah, that's fantastic. That's wonderful. And Oprah Winfrey said, you know what? Arden's Old Behave Show is one of my top three pet podcasts on the planet. So we are enriched, but not rich. What do you think? So what's your message to our wonderful listeners that are from here all the way to Singapore? Yeah, I think that's wonderful. I think certainly, like Graham said, go to animalhumanesociety.org to learn more. If you're going to be in the Minnesota metro area, please, please stop by. Come see us. Come see what the Habitat prototype is all about. We have a really incredible opportunity to revolutionize the way we house shelter animals, and we we want absolutely everyone to be a part of it. And so, Arden, if you're up in Minnesota, we'd love to have you as well. And Oprah, if you're listening right now, (laughs) come on on over to Animal Humane Society. We'd love to give you a tour and and have you see what the prototype's all about, because we, we really think that you'll love it. Like Graham said, people have really loved it. It's this really incredible immersive experience that a way people can connect with animals. And so if you're in the area, if anybody's in the area, I really want to encourage them to come by and see what it's all about. All right. The welcome mat is out. Uh, Any parting messages, Dr. Graham? Something just I always try and get out there. Uh, Animal welfare, no one is there for the money and it doesn't make any money. So always look at, if you're looking at places to donate and give, always look at giving time, love, resources to your local animal welfare organization because they can always use it and it's always going to help. I like that. I like that. And then also I want to do a big pause up salute to my producer, Mark Winter. He is the executive producer of Pet Life Radio. This is the largest pet radio network on the planet. I've been doing this show for now a decade and I am just, I want to give a salute to you, Mark, because you are the wizard of pause and we are making a difference with fine guests like we've had today, Dr. Graham Brayshaw and Liv Hagen from the Animal Humane Society in Minnesota. Uh, please dash over to their site and uh, check out all the other great shows on the Pet Life Radio Network. And until next time, this is your flea-free host, Arden Moore, delivering just two words to all you two, three, and four-leggers out there. Oh, behave! Coast to coast and around the world, it's Oh, Behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs>